Iris to iris, Petunia, Briseis, a colorful pose like a rose, mornings fresh and hazy, lily, violet, daisy, eyes of the delicate muse, sparkling golds and blues, for a brief time decorating that which soon bears fruit. That's a poem Aaron constructed to begin this week's episode, and for once I can take credit for contributing some words to it. What do you mean for once? You always contribute, even indirectly, as the... You're usually the muse. This week, Flowers were the muse. And we you. were the co-poets. Mm-hmm. The coets. Oh, I like that. That's kind of what we are for solo scene in yeah. general, I guess. <laughs> Co-hosts, coets. So thank you all for joining us. This week, we're talking about flowers, obviously. So we're just excited to talk about one of our favorite things. I tried to dress accordingly. I see you wore your grays. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I did wear gray. Yes. Yeah, flowers. I think it probably is not going to be the most in-depth episode no maybe not even the most uh heavy hitting mm-hmm. but i think it is something of a palate cleanser after the last two weeks were by solo scene standards quite critical yeah critical but, kind of instructive this week is just hopefully inspiring to make you stop and smell the roses as i feel like i'll probably say a hundred times in this episode well i'm not gonna i'm gonna try not to but uh, right. yeah this is like an ode yeah it's an ode ode to flowers so we didn't ask ourselves any questions. We kind of just said, why do we like flowers? Yeah. I guess that is a question. That is a question. I started with learning a little bit about flowers, their history. As you can imagine, flowers have always been a pretty significant part of symbolism and of culture throughout all histories across all parts of the world because most plants flower. It's not just one specific type of thing that's a flower, like trees can flower, fruit trees flower, anything that's an angiosperm produces these lovely little blooms to reproduce and attract people, animals, bugs, to come and collect their pollen and deliver to other flowers pollination. (laughs) (laughs) And do you know where the word flower comes from in English? Um... Flowing? I don't know. No, it comes from the the god Flora, who is a god of flowers. Yes. And then... In which civilization? In which society? Rome. Right. Do you know where she comes from? Where does she come from? In ancient Greece. Do you know who that was called? The Greek flower was Chloris. Yeah. And what was she? She was the goddess of nature, right? Um, She was one of them, I guess. She was a nymph. Yes, a nymph. And she had some transformation... As happened in a lot of mythology, mm-hmm. people transforming to flowers, people representing flowers. Mm-hmm. Flowers are all over the place. Yeah. So why they're a good topic, because do you think there'll be flowers in the solo scene? No. No. I We're hoping it's... to get rid of them all yeah. in the solo scenes so that everything is just green. That's what my dad used to do. He hated flowers. What did he used to do? He would cut down all the flowers and plant shrubs, mm. unflowering shrubs. <laughs> <laughs> so... Shout out to him. But I'm sure he actually got onto flowers. So it's been a 180. And yeah, so it comes from the, like the word in English comes from the goddess who is the goddess of flowers, which I think is relevant. But what I didn't know was that until the 17th century, you know, the word flower, F-L-O-U-R as like the grain. Yes. That meant all of the above. It meant flowers like the plants and then flowers like the grain or whenever a ground, grain was ground into a flower. Mm. And it also was used for like flowering, like innocence and stuff. So it wasn't until 
yeah, kind of recently that have distinguished into a, this is a flower that is a plant and this is a flower that is a, something that I can't eat. Do you think that was a good decision? Yeah. Cause they're pretty, like they're completely different things. <laughs> I agree. And usually I find vocabulary getting more specific like that is a little bit rare. I think usually it tends to mm-hmm. broaden rather than, rather than increasingly narrow. Yeah. So you mentioned flowers in the Solocene. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll be any different than flowers today? Because we can't really change their presence in nature, I don't think. No. Or can we? I don't think we can. No. I think flowers in the Solocene will be a lot more seasonal. Right now, the flower industry, the cut flower industry, is quite unsustainable for the environment, for the people who live in those environments, where it's a very big industry. Because 80% of our flowers in North America are imported. Which is good because if we were trying to grow enough flowers in our own ecosystems to meet the demand, it would be like, I think the environmental impact is 10 times more trying to heat the greenhouses, pump in the water. But I just think the demand will need to go down. And yeah, working a lot more with seasonal flowers, wildflowers, and so on in the Solocene. As was featured in the cover photo on our YouTube, I like to pick wildflowers around Montreal, bring them home and put them in little vases. And it works. It doesn't happen in winter, but happens in summer. Yeah, I'm surprised about the cut flower industry mm-hmm. because I used to work at a garden center and we didn't sell any cut flowers, but people mm-hmm. would still buy a lot of rose shrubs and even annual plants. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that might be a little bit better yeah. because then at least they are growing the thing mm-hmm. and not just importing it. I don't know. Yeah, and it's also if you're planting flowers that are ideally native to the area, therefore they'll promote biodiversity of other species, like of animals and insects. I think that's good. And also, yeah, if you get them that come back every year and you can cut them yourself, Mm. it's all good things, I think. Something that I've recently learned about is flower juice. Yes, you did learn about that. Otherwise known as... Tea. Yes, tea. Yeah. Because I thought that tea was just a specific plant, but you informed me that it's almost more of a verb you mm-hmm. tea things yeah it's almost more of a category of things that can become this mm-hmm. type of drink yes. and that has really opened my consciousness and then i was looking into it and flowers are actually good for you yeah so i think people know about the likes of lavender mm-hmm. and maybe rose is very trendy i think yeah chamomile chamomile that Echinacea. is hibiscus hibiscus is good so many you yeah. can make, I prefer the word, I prefer the term flower juice. Yeah. But. To each their own. Yeah. You can use whatever adjective you want to describe the steeping process. So I want to start drinking them. Yeah. Dandelion juice. Exactly. Wow. I think flowers are so cool because of their medicinal properties. I had a list of reasons I like flowers and I'm sure I'll just kind of hit on them as we go through. No, it's hit them all. They're medicinal and they're beautiful. And I was thinking, I was reading a lot about how they can be used in medicine in certain parts of the world. Like lotus flowers in India are just like ubiquitous with medicine. Like it's even the symbol in a lot of hospitals and things because you can use all parts of the lotus flower to cure different maladies. But a lot of the traditional medicine across the world that relies on flowers hasn't been researched by northern medicine. So it's not like legitimized for the most part. But I think even if there was proof that it didn't work in like a scientific setting. Clearly it does work in a placebo or in a 
psychological setting because I think our bodies have a lot of power to heal themselves. And it's like, if I spritz my bedroom with lavender every other night and think it's going to give me a better sleep, odds are it will give me a better sleep. So I just think flowers are great because they have that power. It sounds to me like you're, you're <laughs> um, maybe you're reading a little bit too much into Gwyneth Paltrow. Last week. <laughs> I'm yeah. just joking. I, I agree, of course. I mean, if every single people's ever was like, wow, these flowers are, wow, these actually do this for you and things, yeah. and there must be at least some truth to it. Mm-hmm. Regarding the lotus, because I was looking into just like some various myths and stories of histories of different plants, and yeah, the lotus, there was this, um, this quote from Confucius okay. who said that, and I really like this quote, I love the lotus because while growing from mud, despite growing from mud, mm-hmm. it is unstained. And I thought that was a really, a really concise way of saying the, part of the reason that we are attracted to flowers in general is because despite going from a wilderness that most often is not picturesque mm-hmm. and is quite often rather brutal, mm-hmm. I mean, even represented in the, the rose with its thorns all over it, you have these little um, beacons of, of real beauty poking through. Yeah, and I like that flowers aren't just, oh, they look pretty. Because they're bright. They also smell nice. They yeah, also the feel nice. Yeah. Like rose petals are so soft. And then there's different feelings you can have from all the different flowers. The delicate nature of the petals as well. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Moss. I just, moss. Moss. I was thinking with regards to like uh, flowers in the solar scene. And I saw a lot of Pinteresty ideas about making little flower chandeliers and hanging flowers and potpourri and things like that. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about those walls that are living walls yeah. with moss. Mm-hmm. And then I started wondering, what is moss? This is a slight tangent. Do you yeah. know what moss is? It's a spore. What's Sporus is not the word. <laughs> Sporus? <laughs> moss is just a, it's, it's just a type of plant. Okay. It's flowerless. Yeah. So it's the opposite of what we're talking about today, but for some reason it feels like a flower to me. Yeah. Moss. It's soft. It's soft, fragrant. Exactly soothing yeah one of my favorite images of Aaron ever captured on film was one time we were walking through this little alcove we were in a park somewhere and we say what's this and it's this alcove of forget-me-nots and little tiny wildflowers of the sort that are really small and then there's this tree stump with a really really mossy covering and you're crouched down kind of petting it you might know that. I didn't know about this image, but... Uh, <laughs> but I like it, because you look like a proud father with your mossy root. Is it Instagrammable, or...? It could hit the Can Insta. we put it on the Solacene little plug? Yeah, I'd have to find it, because it was from, like, four years ago, but I'll see if I can find it. Pollen. Pollen. We're walking Ooh. through the streets of Montreal, and <laughs> you remarked that it's like a blizzard. It was like a snowstorm. The streets, like, literally had a few inches of pollen, some of yeah, them. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, I feel very bad for anyone with a pollen allergy, well, fortunately. Well, my eyes have been, <laughs> have been running the last few days. Yeah, I feel like anyone who lives here after this much exposure, you're going to get a bit watery. But pollen is cool. It's a really interesting way to reproduce because if you're a tree, if you're a plant, you cannot move. You are stuck to the spot. So you need to rely on moving things to transport your offspring. Right. And that's where bees come in. Mm-hmm. And bats. Bats are big pollinators as well. I didn't realize that. Mice are even pollinators. What? Yeah. The bee movie. Jerry Seinfeld was really into pollination, wasn't he? Well, that was actually quite an in-depth look at the 
pollination process. <laughs> true. Um, I, I'm going to sound like such a fool for this, but actually this week someone asked me, is there anything that everyone else knows about or can do that you don't? I think that most people have one of those. And mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize that it's just anatomy, both human, animal, and also plant. Mm -hmm. Because I found myself Googling this week, why are flowers bright? Why do flowers smell nice? Okay. Knowing now that most six or seven-year-olds could answer that. It's true. But I never learned that in school. So, and the B movie, of course, but I, I was taking that mostly as fantasy. But now I'm starting to realize maybe it was realer than real. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> flowers literally just are pretty and smell nice to attract things. Yeah. There's even one plant, which I thought you might be interested in. I'm going to look up the name of the genus. It is called Raphalacia, and it's a genus of plant that smells like rotting meat Ooh. to attract flies and beetles and stuff wow. to carry its pollen. Kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, they all have a different way that they've evolved because maybe this flower was evolving. It's like a parasitic flower, which is interesting. It just brings up almost like a fungi without roots and without stem or leaves or anything. And maybe it was evolving in an area where all the bees were a bit too busy to give it any attention. So it said, I'm going to attract flies and these more, these less friendly bugs to carry my pollen. And it worked. Yeah. Less friendly? I feel like flies aren't especially friendly. Okay. Um, when it gets into the symbology and kind of the fictional or mythological and artistic history of flowers, of course, they have a, a rich history. Some might say the richest. Probably one of, if not the most common inspirations for poetry, paintings. And I was wondering, why do you think that is? Why is it that some of the most celebrated paintings in history are of flowers. Mm. It's such a relatively simple subject. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to kind of recreate. Mm. Well, there is nothing in nature that is as fascinating to me almost. Because it's like, I feel like with science, things are very fascinating. Like you can look at a, a leaf and be like, whoa, that is producing its own food. But throughout history, we didn't know all of the cycles and how intricate things were. And perhaps the flowers just have like a mystery to them. Like, how are these yellow? Like, how are yeah. these And you've, you've got to think about also, sorry to interrupt, but no, it's okay. through history, obviously no computers, but also not much industrialized production and all the crazy, strong and bright artificial dyes that we have now. Mm -hmm. And I know of obviously flowers are used for natural dyes. That's one of the things. But... Quite often, I, I can imagine flowers were just the brightest things you could ever see. Like, where That's would true. you ever see a, a brighter orange than that? Mm -hmm. I mean, now we can just go on like Microsoft Paint and select any hue we want, but that was never the case before. So they were yeah. legitimately rare colors in people's eyes. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's something we can bring back a little bit in the solar scene. Yeah. I mean, of course, we're still going to have film and computers and technology and industrialization in general, but maybe somehow um, returning flowers to that natural pedestal that they're on. I'm mm. not sure. Yeah. About them being kind of mythological in themselves, like being the inspiration for beauty, I learned two things in preparation for this episode. And one is that in the Middle Ages, doctors and people believed that the flowers represented the malady that they would cure. So it's like if the disease kind of manifested itself to look like a certain flower, that means nature intended that flower to cure that <laughs> sickness, which is really interesting to me. And it's kind of like, I can see how you could jump to that conclusion. 
because it's like, oh, this is like nature's way of telling me yep. this is the answer to your problems. That, that was really funny. And I also like that they, it'd be, I feel like it'd be easy, especially as you said before, there were a lot of bright colors to be like, these all mean the same thing. They all mean life. They all mean joy. They all mean celebration. But forever, we've assigned different meanings to them based on kind of just a cultural, what they mean to us and then what they mean to, therefore, everyone around us. Yeah. I thought that was really funny because I was like, it'd be so easy to just be like, yeah, all flowers mean a celebration, but in some places they mean death and some places they mean you suck. Like they all mean just different things. And it's fun that we've kind of constructed this mythos around them. The language of flowers. Yeah. Choreography. Mm -hmm. I think that it's cool that, I mean, you're right that there's different types. It's like roses mean this, tulips mean this, uh, daffodils mean this in certain countries. And of course they can mean different things in other uh, cultures. But as a whole, when you talk about flowers blooming in mm -hmm. mythology and stories, that um, generalization is almost always symbolic for things are right, mm -hmm. like things are good, things are pure. At the end of the uh, story, flowers will bloom. Yeah. Or quite often in mythology, it'll be to commemorate blood spilling or tears falling of a god or goddess who died or a particular hero. Mm -hmm. And it's just like there's this sense that flowers are the um, the indicator for the world being happy. Like the mm -hmm. Bible uses it a lot. They, yeah. I think I looked it up, it said over 100 times is the word flowers used in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it's always like, this was good. And so flowers bloomed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they use specific ones as well. But mm -hmm. mostly it's the generalization. Yeah, because as you said in your poem, a flower blooms usually before the fruit comes of whatever that plant True, is. Even yeah. if the fruit isn't edible to us, it's still fruiting mm -hmm. in some way or another. And that fruit might be seeds, that fruit might be whatever. But it's just, it's cool because it is symbolic. And it's such a brief moment in time. Like I love yeah. that like few days almost when there's like the apple blossoms and the cherry blossoms. And it's like, if you don't miss, if you miss it, you miss it. Mm. And you have to wait a whole year. Like, there's nothing to recreate that. Yeah, I, I do love experience. that. We haven't, th that I know of, there isn't, we haven't yet taken the magic out of that by having roses that bloom all year round. Yeah. And that was something that amazed me. As I said, when I used to work at the garden center, is customers would come in and without even really thinking about it, say, oh, how much do these uh, cost? And I'd say that, and it would be maybe quite a lot for a particular shrub. And they'd say, oh, but I really like the flowers. How long does it bloom for? And I'd be like, 10 days, two weeks in the middle of August. Yeah. And they'd say, okay, I'll get it. And it's like this triumph of, uh, of time and beauty and the decoration of space over uh, money, really. That's yeah. like the delicacy is like they're delicate in their material, like the petals, but also in the fact that they, as you say, come and go so quickly. Speaking of, sure. the organism of the week is this flower here. Wow. And it's called the Dutch pipe cactus princess of the night or queen of the night and this flower do you want to describe it Aaron for those well, listening I'll start by saying it's a lovely drawing it's a printing because I <laughs> it's such an interesting flower to me that I couldn't well seem to draw it. I'll describe it would you mind flipping it so, I, so it's the right way up this is the right way up okay um so it's hanging yeah so it is a stem two stems actually coming from the top of the frame and a really Kind of feathery looking looks like a, a dress almost a white flower with a bunch of petals all kind of scraggly off of it but the the typical bulb shape yep. i think and then some very rich green leaves all around as well mm -hmm. 
So these flowers are called the most expensive or the priceless flower because they're impossible to pick. Hmm. They're a type of cactus and they only bloom at full moons at 10 to 11 o'clock at night and they stay open for about two hours and then they die. And so they're these super, super rare type of flowers, as you can imagine. I like that. It sounds like a fancy um, story. Well, they're, I say rare. They're not actually rare in nature. Like they're not extinct or endangered or anything. They just only bloom at certain times of the year. And yeah, they're impossible to pick because their cells are so saturated in water that when you pick it, it's like they all start exploding. It's like a oh, wow. chain reaction. And people have them in their gardens, but they're native to Sri Lanka, parts of India, and parts of South America. And so, I, like, reading about them, they just seem mythological. It's like, oh, yeah, they bloom at the full moon between 10 and 11 o'clock at night, sure. When the wolf howls. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I was picturing that in the opening credits, or not credits, the opening scenes of The Dark Knight, when mm. Bruce Wayne, Wayne has to, like, shepherd up the flower. Yeah, Batman begins, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> picturing. This is the flower I pictured. But kind of cool. Its perfume is very coveted, and it's actually mass-produced to be for its perfume to be extracted because okay. it's super fragrant. And I don't know. They're just so cool to me because you can't pick them. You're not going to have one of these in a bouquet. They're a type of cactus, and it's just like I love them. They're so neat. And, yeah, they hang upside down. They kind of, like, scoop down out of the plants. That's why. The image is like that. It's a very cool find. What's the yeah. name again? Queen of the Night, Princess of the Night. Ooh. Yeah. Pretty cool. And yeah, they're a tropical rainforest flower. So the only threat to them is the threat to the rainforest. So. Good thing there's no threat to the rainforest. <laughs> oh my goodness. What's your favorite flower? Lavender. Mm, yeah. I think you said that on the podcast before, so you can't backtrack now. No, I think it is my favorite though. Do you want to guess what mine is? Your favorite is sunflowers, isn't it? No. Oh, you've changed. That was never. <laughs> you just were agreeing with me when my favorite used to be sunflower. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I think sun, sunflowers are like the, the gateway uh, flower. Yeah, because they're so impressive. Because they're so big, very simple colors. Yeah. That's kind of like the, the populist flower. Yeah. I like um, anen, anem, anemones. Anemones? Yeah, I really like those. And I also like jasmine a lot. You're a big jasmine guy. Yeah. Jas jasmine's so pretty. It's such a simple flower. Yeah. Little white. Doo -doo -doo. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking forget me nots might also be one of my favorites because yeah, they just grow in like the shades of the forest and so on. Going back to the delicate nature of plants in regards to how long they last and how and also that fact that in stories they were always celebrated as meaning the earth is happy. Mm -hmm. Kind of I mean you never see like a apocalyptic scene where, oh no, look, there's all the flowers. I mean, mm -hmm. there's like triffids, but those are ugly. That's kind of the whole point. Mm -hmm. um, there was also the fact that winters, and to an extent, autumns, used to be terrible, terrible times, mm -hmm. <laughs> like for much of human history and, you know, for much of the earth, should I say. Those used to be uh, like times of hunger and illness and, 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 illness yeah. and struggle and darkness. Mm -hmm. and we, they didn't have electric lights and things and... So the spring, you mentioned the flora in Rome. They used to have a big festival for her in the spring. Mm -hmm. And in Greece, they did something similar, I think, with Persephone. And in Japan, of course, they have the Cherry Blossom Festival. And it, that's just like, we can all kind of take a deep breath now. Mm 
because mm-hmm. we got through it to an extent, I think is, and we, we still have a sense of this because we still have what we call smudge. Yes. Which is that awful prolonged season, at least in Canada from <laughs> January to March slash April quite often when things are just gray. Yeah. And then when flowers start to come, I mean, everyone, you can kind of sense it implicitly. Everyone is happy again and people start mm-hmm. going outside and start to live their lives again. Yeah, a few weeks ago I used tulips as the organism of the week because they're one of the first flowers to bloom. Mm. And when I was looking into the like the language of flowers, it was funny, the flowers that bloom in September, October, those are often mean, you suck, I don't like you. Like Those really? are all the negative flowers because <laughs> they kind of mean that the winter is coming. I thought that was kind of funny instead of meaning like hope or something yeah. as well. Hope only is the flowers at the beginning. <laughs> There's a section I think in in Hamlet where Ophelia is like describing a bunch of flowers and mm-hmm. and what they mean, right? Yeah. And then of course she dies mm-hmm. with a bunch of flowers. Yes. And she's been used a lot. I mean Shakespeare used flowers a lot, mm-hmm. but just some other examples of flowers in art. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's Georgia O'Keeffe. Who's that? She was a famous American painter who used flowers a lot to represent women, as yes. they have been used quite often because, as we say, they are the reproductive part of mm-hmm. uh, the plant. Yeah. There is Monet, of course, with the water lilies. There's my personal Van Gogh uh, with the sunflowers. My my favorite is this French symbolist painter called, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but Odilon Redon. Okay. And he does a lot of really cool purples and pinks and reds, like that, that mm-hmm. type of shades. And I also had a, a haiku, which I thought I could read. Go for it. By uh, the 17th century Japanese haiku poet, Matsuo Basho, who I think I have read at least one on this podcast before. And he said, come see real flowers of this painful world. And that I thought was interesting because it's not, doesn't exactly sound like an ode or Mm. just how beautiful flowers are. And it also reminded me of Les Fleurs de Mal, the flowers of evil, which Mm -hmm. uh, I recently read. And that there's also this, maybe not in flowers, but in uh, kind of the space around their existence. What I was saying with the thorns is that they are like, purity and beauty, but also springing from chaos quite often. Yeah. I was looking a bit into flowers and movies because when I was trying to prepare for this episode, I thought there'd be definitive, these are the movies which flowers had like a really big role in, and there really aren't many. But (laughs) in my head, I was like, I know there's a few that I wanted to mention, the floristry of these movies because it was so striking. So we recently started watching Emma, which we were watching in French. And the so new Emma. the new Emma, yeah. yeah. And I just remember I was tired. It was in French. But all I remember is how many flowers there were. Mm. And so I looked it up and it was, in fact, significant. So they hired this really famous movie florist, basically. And her name is Tamsin Scott. And she basically went into these in depth studies of each character, consulted their actors, consulted the people, like, who knew about the time period. And then each character had like a set of flowers to mean like what each of their moods were. And it was this whole mythos that she created surrounding each character. And then, yeah, those sets are just packed with flowers. And a lot of the time they're in the foreground as well. Hmm. And do you remember the opening scene from Emma? No. She's going to, she has a greenhouse. Oh, yes. Which was called a cutting garden, which a lot of posh, very rich people had in the Victorian era, which was you'd go there to cut your flowers for your parties, for your friends, whatever. 
and she went to a cutting garden and she was picking flowers based on their meaning to give to a friend who was leaving. And I thought that was cool. The cutting gardens were just a thing. They had a cutting garden, then they had a cooking garden for very different purposes. And so Emma, the flowers just were very important to the set and to the story that was being told in that film. And then one more I wanted to mention was the scene in The Great Gatsby where Daisy and Gatsby are reunited and he buys, he like imports a whole greenhouse worth of orchids. Mm. And then she's like sitting in this room that's just packed with orchids. And it was to mean she was like her innocence is obviously like central to that story. But it's also like he literally just cut down a field worth of orchids <laughs> to try and like show his love to him. It's like a whole thing. I just think flowers are, yeah, so fun, so cool. And then there were two negative like flower instances that came to mind. There was the last scene in Midsummer, or not the last scene, but you yeah, know, when she's in the flower dress. Very famous image. And then in Hunger Games, in the third movie, I think, in Mockingjay Part 1, mm. the, the capital drops a shipload of white roses onto Katniss as she's like walking around the ruins of District 12. Yeah. And I was like... Well, the villain in, in the Hunger Games is all about flowers, all isn't All the he? white roses, yeah. Anyway, yeah. those were just in my mind and I was kind of reflecting on their meanings in all those movies. And I just think, yeah, flowers, they obviously serve a very practical purpose, but I don't think they're here just, just to be practical. I feel like they're here to inspire us to take moments of like breath and reflection, even if they inspire a moment of like kind of negative reflection of like, oh, this is really somber, oh, this is dark, that someone would even think to bring flowers to an event like this or plant flowers in a place like this. This is ironic. They just kind of inspire you to kind of come back to your senses almost because they're such a sensual experience. Very well said. Thank you. I had some fun facts if you want to close with that. I'd love to. So some fun facts about uh, flowers. I'll start with the funnest for me, which is <laughs> the state flower for Maine is a pine cone. <laughs> I love that for Maine. Yeah. Um, you may know this broccoli is a flower, so too cauliflower and mm -hmm. artichokes. Yeah. I didn't know that, but of course, it's my flower blind spot showing, <laughs> showing again. Um, in ancient Greece, the orchid was a symbol for male virility, and that's actually where the word orchid comes from. It used oh. to be a name for uh, male parts. Okay. And, uh, they thought that if you ate like the roots, it could determine the gender of your child. So it's like oh. if the men, the, the, the father would eat a larger root to try and have a son mm -hmm. and the mother would eat a small root to try and have a daughter. Interesting. And also, I guess this is not really a fun fact, more of a sad <laughs> one. Um, it takes 2000 roses to produce one gram of rose oil. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Like essential oils, the whole industry, I think, is a bit messed. Because we don't even think about it. You buy a little bottle of like lavender and it's like, this took 500 plants to make. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's probably not ideal. Probably should just buy the plants themselves. And I didn't even get into the sustainability much in this episode. Maybe I'll make some Instagram things about it. Sure. But yeah, the industry is kind of messed. I was speaking to a florist at the, the farmer's market here and I said, oh, are these produced locally and she said no if we did that it'd be as i said earlier 10 times worse on the environment but i was like you're still shipping them 
super quick because you can't just have them like sitting in warehouses. You're cutting them, shipping them in refrigerated airplanes. No way that's good <laughs> in the first place. So definitely, I think like flowers are important. They're good for our mental health. They're good for the air. But it's like thinking a bit more about you are killing them when you cut them. So maybe getting a plant is a little better. Sorry, you can continue with your No, that was, that, that was my fun facts done. <laughs> That's a lovely spot to end on. Yeah. Killing them. <laughs> well, no, I had, I'll have a fun fact. Okay. Uh, the scarlet geranium means stupidity, which <laughs> I thought was funny because, yeah. <laughs> okay. On that note, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to check out the Instagram, TikTok, zine that we have, it's all in the description. And next week... We're starting a whole new series on I'm so scene. excited. Yeah, me too. New series, and we're going to have so many new things with it. We're not doing a zine. We're doing some other cool things. So you have to listen next week to find out what those fun things are. Bye. Bye.